Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning, the middle, and the end of all we do. May openness and peace, shalom, mark our discussions as we engage in conversations about the fresh move of our wonderful God. May our hearts be drawn to unity, and in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Grab a cup of coffee, tea, ice water, whatever you want on this beautiful day, and enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast. Oh, yeah. Hey, we've already done that bit before, I know. but I love it. <laughs> Hi, Jace. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Or afternoon or night to oh, whoever true. is listening. Yeah. <laughs> we say good morning because we're actually recording this in the morning, which is abnormal for us. It is. Mm-hmm. Typically, I don't wake up before noon. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, we record it at 3 a.m. <laughs> wow, that's epic. Actually, that's more morning. I was going from like, yeah, in the middle of the night. It's so morning but... that it's the middle of the night. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so today's 2 a.m. You know, it's it's so in the morning that people have to say it's 3 a.m. in the morning. Have you heard people say that? Yes. Like, so yeah. redundant. <laughs> totally. <laughs> 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. a.m. didn't already yeah. say that. But doesn't that make it in the, like, two negatives make a positive or something like Whoa, that? Oh, so yeah. it wasn't actually in the morning. Yeah. So Whoa, tricky. Yeah. Inception. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're here to talk about Shalom. Yeah, continue our conversation from last week um, about, yeah, we did a little word study on shalom and then talked about our shalom with God. And I guess just to reiterate, shalom is a really beautiful, complex word from the Hebrew language. Um, And we often translate it in the Bible as peace, but it means so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Correct? Correct. It's like fullness. One that I didn't... We didn't cite last podcast that I think is kind of fun is Shalom has been used in the Bible to refer to a stone that has no blemishes in it. Oh, wow. It's like a solid stone without any cracks. Mm -hmm. So wholeness. Completeness was one of them. Completeness. Yeah. yeah. Safety, security. Um, Yeah. Shalom is a much bigger word than just nonviolence. Totally. (laughs) And Yeah. yeah, and we kind of talked, touched on it's yeah more than just like a ceasefire it's like a ceasefire and then you know two sides of a war going and rebuilding their cities you know it's like it's complete restoration Mm, of not only just like violence but also community and nature and cities and all this kind of stuff yeah so then last week after we were talking about shalom we talked about these four relationships that we see in the garden of eden our relationship with God, with ourself, with others, and then with creation, and how all four of those relationships have been broken by the fall. Mm-hmm. And um, then we narrowed in a bit on our relationship with God. Yeah. And what we want to do with this podcast today is talk about our relationship with ourself. Um, and we're going to go forward next podcast and the one after to talk about others and creation. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the framework through which we're talking about stewardship. Mm-hmm. We are to steward these relationships that God has given us. And as maybe 
odd as it sounds, we do have a relationship with ourself. Yeah. Um, that's part of the incredible complexity of what it means to be human is that we have this like consciousness that relates to itself. Wow. That's so unique. I never really thought about that, but yeah, totally. Yeah. If you've ever been like happy with yourself or mad with yourself or disappointed in yourself, <laughs> there's obviously like a relationship there. Wow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? Even though we are one, I guess it's like we are reflexively interacting with ourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> reflexively? Is that the right word? Do you know I don't know. Saying? It sounded so right. Okay. But I think it's above my pay grade. Wow. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're here to talk about today. We'll see if we do a good job. And one thing that is an important disclaimer is that these are huge conversations. Yeah. Totally. And we're having a lot of big conversations kind of quickly in order to present this concept that all of these things are important to God. Everything mm -hmm. is spiritual. Um, so like your own self image is something that is really essential to God's design for Shalom in mm -hmm. your life. Yeah. Um, and if you or I happen to have a really bad self image, then that's something that Jesus would like to be restored and the restoration of all things includes that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of an aspect of what we're going to be talking about today. We could, we could go down a thousand rabbit trails of mental health and trauma and shame and oh, yeah. body image. And um, there's like books and books and books written on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So we know we're not going to really even scratch the surface, but want to give context and hopefully stir up hunger inside of you to learn more about this stuff and um yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was the thought that i was trying to get out yes and amen amen um i'd be curious jace if you could let us into your revelation that you had about how our relationship with god affects our other relationships oh yeah the relationship with self others and creation do you remember this the yeah so i feel like last week we talked about how you know, this, um, there is like a severance between our relationship with God and man because of the fall, but it's through Christ, not our own good works that have brought that back to Shalom and restoration, mm -hmm. which is so beautiful. And there's nothing that we can do. There's not like that's going to, um, dissipate that Shalom that we have. Correct. Amen. Totally. Um, and then I think one thing that I was thinking about last week after we talked about this is if we believe, if we don't have a, a proper understanding of how we are seated with Christ next to the father, wow! like we are going to be motivated by this constant desire to get to heaven, to like just keep working, to make sure you're doing all the right things all for the sake of self-preservation essentially. Mm -hmm. So one thing I wrote uh, last week, um, if we believe it is that our works save us, we will be motiv motivated by selfish desires of eternal preservation and not motivated by the hope we have in the fully restored heaven and earth. Wow. So I think it was a big moment in my story to stop worrying about whether I'm going to get to heaven or not because I was like not sure, you know, how restored this relationship with God and I really was. Um, and that was like the main motivator of like most of the things I was doing in life was just like, I can't lie 
because if I lie and then get hit by a car, I'm going to go to hell wow. without like <laughs> saying a prayer of forgiveness. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's the story I had told myself. And, um, but once I realized this is, this has been done through Christ, it's finished, mm-hmm. it's complete, it's shalom, it's restored. Then it's like, wow, we are called to be little Jesuses everywhere in the world and bring heaven to earth. Like that is, that is the call. That's like, should be our main um, goal and like framework for everything that we do. So if I'm understanding you correctly, Jace, it's like you're saying that when you're focused so much on whether you are right with God, you're individual minded about your salvation. Mm-hmm. Your motivation is I need to go to heaven. I need to do what I need to do to get to heaven. Um, that's life's purpose. Yeah, totally. But in Jesus, all of those questions are answered. Yeah. You have peace. You're going to heaven. You're mm-hmm. clothed in Christ's righteousness. We're told throughout the new yeah. Testament, you are set. <laughs> Even though we continue to sin, um, and we shouldn't sin, let, let sin not abound, you know, but, um, even though we are imperfect in some ways, still, we are actually perfect in Christ before the father. That's what the new Testament tells us. So all of that is taken care of. Mm-hmm. Now my purpose is different. If I don't have to work to make my salvation happen mm-hmm. now, my purpose can be free to think about like, okay, what is this greater project that Jesus is working on? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Now that I'm not just focused on myself, I see that the greater project is actually the, not just the restoration of my spirit, but the restoration of all things. And I'm invited as a co-laborer with Christ to help reconcile all things, Totally, to make the world look like a better place for his kingdom's sake. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that like Jesus is empowering through the the magnificence and power of the Holy spirit to the church to do his work on earth. was that a summary relatively. Yeah, no, totally. And I think one thing I realized is, wow, we know what, what this Shalom looks like because of our relationship with God. And so through that knowledge that we're able to bring Shalom to all three other areas. Hmm. So that was, that was another like thing that I got of like, Oh, like how do we even grasp this idea? You know, if, if we live in this like already not yet world where nothing is technically Shalom, but then I was like, Oh no, like we are at peace with God. Wow. And it's like through that knowledge, we can like bring peace and Shalom and restoration and completeness to our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others and our relationship with creation. That's good. I'm reminded of, um, I mean, this is a little bit different. Maybe it's an adjacent truth to what you just said, but in James where it's written that faith without works is dead mm-hmm. because, um, works will be a manifestation of honest faith. Yeah. I think is what he's trying to say. Exactly. I'm thinking that like healthy relationship with self, others and creation are a manifestation of a healthy relationship with God. Yes, totally. Did I say that well? Yeah, no, totally. So like if we are in right shalom relationship with God, then right relationship will just be flowing out of us with everyone we're associated with. That's so good. And that's maybe it's not perfect and we're still like working on it, just like we're working on a relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But that's 
That's the concept. It's like abide in me. You can do no good apart from me, but Mm -hmm. as you abide in me and abide in my love, you will bear much fruit. And that fruit looks like caring for others and yourself and creation. Mm -hmm. Well, totally. That's so good. That's so well said. Oh, oh, cool. No, I, yeah, I think the, um, this idea that if, you know, especially if, if you're having a hard time with your like self identity, shame, all these kinds of things and like relationship with others, like if there's not a lot of good fruit there, I would challenge the listener to like reassess how you feel about your relationship with God and like your, your like kind of core beliefs about who God is. Wow. Because I think it's from that knowledge of like just how incredibly and dearly valuable we are that like so much fruit is going to come out. Whoa. Praise God. I think that's a perfect clear. That's the perfect start line to some of my notes. Perfect. If we can pick it up from there, that was a great transition Mm -hmm. because in our relationship with God, we should be made right because Jesus has made us right with him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to begin this conversation about relationship with self. Again, we could go so many directions, but I want to begin with, I think the base concept that you just brought up and that is identity. Yeah. Um, who are we? Who mm-hmm. am I? And I find that that answer is only truly found in our relationship with God. Yeah. Our creator. Mm-hmm. I think as a Christian, we Christians, we can all agree on that. Totally. I am someone who was intentionally created by a loving creator A.W. Tozer says, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Oh, wow. So if you believe that God is loving, creative, magnificent, beautiful, just, then your understanding of yourself and all of creation will flow out of that. If you believe Mm -hmm. that God is a villain, some vindictive bully in the sky, angry, um, that will shape the way you think about yourself. And everything else. So identity flows from your sense of who God is. Wow. Um, That's such a different story than what the world tells right now. Wow. Absolutely. Because there's just like, there's nothing that's foundational like that. I feel like in all the narratives, it's just so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, nebulous and gray mm-hmm. and self-realized and it's it's sad wow that's good i've heard um a good thinker pastor named mark sayers from melbourne australia say that what the secular world wants is the kingdom without the king mm-hmm. which i think is is a way of saying that the world wants to say you matter life has purpose mm-hmm. without a god that makes us matter and gives us purpose totally yeah um they say things like justice matters, all we need is love. Um, but on what grounds do you say those things unless there is a God that defines morality and what is right and wrong and beautiful yeah. and lovely in creation? Wow. That's a big conversation we could have. That's an example mm-hmm. of a rabbit trail we could do go down <laughs> totally, for yeah. a couple hours. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's perfect. Um, I want to come up with some examples. Yes, please do. Um, of how our idea of God or divinity can shape the way that we think about ourselves. Uh, the, the first one that is 
this is like adjacent to biblical culture is Babylonian culture. Um, this is going to be kind of nerdy. <laughs> so stop me and ask questions okay. or whatever Great. as we go. But um, the Babylonians, similar to the other ancient cultures in that ancient Near East area, had a creation story. Um, the ancient Greeks have a creation story. The Egyptians have a creation story. And last week, in a very nerdy way, I read a lot of the Babylonian creation story. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I'm I'm forgetting what it's called. Did I write it down? It's like the Elum. I forget what it's called. Um, but I read it. the The god of Babylon is called Marduk, and I could give the whole like a synopsis of the story from what I remember. But bottom line, it's like there are these different gods. There's the freshwater and a saltwater God, and they just came into being out of nothingness. They haven't existed from eternity. Um, and then they started like having other God babies with one another. And then jealousy yeah. came into the story really quickly. And, the older gods got annoyed by the younger gods. And so they started warfare between one another. Like at the wow. beginning of this creation story <laughs> is all these gods having like odd sexual relations with each other, getting jealous and angry and annoyed with each other and then killing each other. And then it sounds so primal. Like it does, doesn't like, it? Yeah. It sounds, that sounds like humans. That doesn't sound like gods. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Sorry. I, no, I, I love yeah. that you said that. It sounds like, hum oh, yeah, that's another point I want to make. It sounds like humans because it's humanity projecting our image onto the divine. Hmm. Whoa. Do you see that? Yeah. If, if we don't have a right concept of God, then we'll make God in our image. Mm -hmm. A lot of very smart people have said that ahead of me, so that's not my idea, but... <laughs> um, I think it's, that's brilliant. And mm -hmm. that's what we see in pagan mythology. Interesting. Norse mythology, Greek mythology, you see Zeus or Poseidon or uh, I forget the names of any of the Norse gods. I don't know. Thor. Thor. There you go. Yeah. They like, they have these very human emotions and mm -hmm. thought processes. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's always jealousy and revenge and backstabbing and totally. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm glad that maybe pop culture has made us aware of some of those things, whether it's like the Percy Jackson series with oh yeah the Greek gods mm -hmm. or I don't know if the Marvel movies have done uh, it with Thor. I mean, Marvel movies are just American mythology stories, you know? <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Kind of. Wow. Yeah. But I guess the idea there is the, the gods look a lot more human than I, th I think we want Mm -hmm. because we have a conception of God that is so much higher than that. Um, but for these Babylonians, yes, yeah. um, I'll just say warfare nutshell. There's a guy named Marduk. He's a God that is like the great, great grandson of the original gods. And um, there's this war about who gets to define the destiny of the universe. And Marduk, everybody starts to like, parade around Marduk, all the younger gods say, we want Marduk to be the one who defines destiny. And so he goes to war with the older gods that make all of these monsters. And there's this huge war and wow. Marduk wins. 
and then he kills his enemy and using the intestines and blood of his enemy, he creates humans to be his slaves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a little different than Genesis. (laughs) It's a little different than Genesis. Isn't that wild? That's so crazy. It actually says, so that humans could do the forced labor that the gods did not want to do themselves, humans were created. Hmm. That's the identity of humanity in the Babylonian creation story. So then what that does is it sets up the Babylonian king to say, I am a demigod. I am connected to these gods. I am inherently above all of you other like peasant humans. And you exist for my benefit. Like your very identity is slave for me. That's crazy. The Egyptians had a really similar worldview when Mm -hmm. it came to human identity which is part of, I mean, it's, it's out of that victims of that kind of a culture mm-hmm. that the Israelite nation was born. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's so crazy. And then very intentionally pitted against that, um, the Genesis story reveals who God actually is, mm-hmm. the one God who has existed from everlasting to everlasting, and who we are in relationship to him. Man. And and they use words intentionally to draw out how there are contrasts between um, the God of Israel and then these like mythological pagan gods of mm-hmm. Egypt and Babylon. It's really fascinating. That's mm-hmm. a huge wormhole that I kind of want to go down, but I shouldn't go any further because I've already far, nerded out far, too much. How far down this wormhole can we go? Man, honestly, <laughs> we could go a lot further than that, I guess. I'm maybe not as equipped to go a whole lot further. (laughs) Yeah. But my basic point is in Genesis, we're told that God creates out of a creative overflow of love. I guess it doesn't explicitly say that, but um, the Bible holistically says that. And Christian Mm -hmm. theology says that, that like God created the universe out of love. He is a loving God who wants to invite his creation into relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, he creates all of humans like Adam and Eve, not being one ethnic group, but being the beginning of all of humans. Mm -hmm. He creates them in his image saying, you're going to image me to the world. Yeah. Like there's so much inherent honor in what it means to be human straight out the gate. Like if you exist with a human genome, your life is wildly significant to the creator of you. Hmm. You're not a slave. You're not a number. You're not defined by what you do or how even like emotionally stable you are or what your relationships look like or your wealth. You're not defined by any of that. Genesis is telling us that you're defined by who God made you to be. And that's in his image, a loved creature. Hmm. I I find so much. I think we can call it a day there. Isn't that amazing? That's so beautiful. I'm also thinking about how God had called the nation of Israel to be a blessing to the world too. Hmm. And that just feels so counterintuitive to like all these other stories that are just all about like dominion and like, you know, forcing themselves on other nations and just all that kind of stuff. 
I, I think there's been times in my life where I'm like, well, I mean, someone could have just made up the Bible or like made like, you know, uh-huh. I've, I've had those like fleeting thoughts, but then like when you hear everything else that the humans have made up about what the divine might look like, <laughs> nothing looks like the, like the God of Israel. Wow. Which feels that just like, wow, like praise God, you You're know? So right. Like, that's so cool that like, wow, there. I don't think left to our own devices, we would write this story. Wow. Yes. Amen. I keep coming back to this. It reminds me of the moment when Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter says, you're Christ. You're the son of God. And Jesus's response is, nobody told you this except the father. The only reason you know this is because the father revealed it to you, Simon Peter. Blessed are you. Mm Mm-hmm. I just think of like, that's the story of God's people. Mm-hmm. The only reason that we have the Bible is because God's truth has been revealed to humans. Whew. Praise God. We didn't make it up because we couldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. We tr- it truly couldn't have. And every other time humans have made something up. Oh, I love the way you put that. It didn't look true if other humans made things up. So... Wow. I guess all of this to say, like Genesis has some profound things to say about each and every one of our identity. Um, full stop, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Before we talk about shame, what we have, what we don't have, anything else, like you were created in the image of God mm-hmm. by a loving God who wanted you to exist in order to invite you into his love. Man. That's the reason for your existence. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's, you know, there's, I've heard people say like, I didn't choose to be born. Like I just, I wish I wasn't born. Like all the, this, this, all the lies that can infiltrate and try to tear down this identity oh. um, are so prevalent in our culture now. And yeah, if you Man, if you believe that or have ever felt that way, like just listen to these words. Like put the first, you know, 10 minutes of this podcast on repeat or yeah. just pick up your Bible and just just see how much God loves you and and was intentional when he um brought you into existence. Yeah. Amen. the Garden of Eden situation doesn't remain in Shalom mm-hmm. for super long. Yeah. We've got like chapter two of Genesis is basically all we've got of Shalom <laughs> in Dogs. the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Uh, Genesis three, unfortunately, Shalom, yeah, gets corrupted. Mm-hmm. And I think how it gets corrupted could show us a few things. Totally. Um, so I want to look at it a little bit. Uh, one, we're talking about the importance of identity. What does the snake say to Eve? Um, actually, let me just pull it up. Yeah. In the garden of Eden, the serpent comes up to Eve. Hmm. They're having this conversation and, you know, just for now, set aside the fact that there's a talking snake. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. This is Genesis chapter three. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? So already he's twisting the Lord's words. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Well, there's a lot going on we could talk about, but the point I want to make is coming up. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Um, yeah, we could unpack a lot of things, but I think the one thing that I want to focus on there is that the serpent is, he's playing games with Eve's identity. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happening? It's like, you you will get to be something that you're not Yeah. if you eat of that fruit. Like for the first time she's hearing that she might like be lacking something. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's totally what's going on. And the, the ironic thing is that the thing she's lacking is to be like God. When in just a chapter ago, we were told that she was created in God's image, mm-hmm. in God's likeness. So it's like a, a twist of like a, a truth. Right. Right. Like actually something that is true about her. Mm-hmm. The serpent is telling her she doesn't actually have. She needs to do something she's not supposed to do in order to attain that thing. Oof. Come on. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So there's, there's questions about her identity that it's like, she's starting to question whether she should trust God. Is God holding out on me? Am I lacking? And then I think some psychologists, some Christian psychologists have pointed to this and said, there's like an ounce of shame that starts to break into Eve's sense of identity there where she's wrestling with, well, maybe I'm not enough. And maybe I need to do something, grasp for something in order to like fill that void. Hmm. Um, So while a lot is going on in the creation story, I think it's worth pointing that out. Hmm. And it's important, I guess, to bring up shame because just before that in Genesis 2, it points out that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed Mm -hmm. in the garden. And then... We're told as soon as they eat the fruit that Adam and Eve see their nakedness and then sew fig leaves together and start to cover their bodies, hmm. which is a way of saying that they felt shame. Yeah. Um, what is, can I just ask, like, what does shame mean to you when I say that word? Like, what do you think people are thinking when they hear that word shame? Wow. I'm actually not sure. I feel like it's such a big word. Yeah, we throw it around a lot. But I think it's it's like this um I would say it's a debilitating um worldview that says you yourself are not like good mm-hmm. or good enough and not necessary and like it, it doesn't separate you from your actions and so you're just wholly bad mm-hmm. and wholly shameful. I can't use the word shameful to define shame. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Just you are like you yourself 
your whole person is not good enough instead of the things that you did. Wow. Is what I would kind of yeah point to. That, because, that, because I think sometimes people confuse um, conviction or guilt for shame. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I often feel convicted because I am human wow. and make mistakes. But if I project that on, if I like hold on, how do I say this? If I pick up lies that say, oh, I'm a, I'm a bad father. I'm a bad husband. Hmm. I'm, you know, whatever it is. Instead of like, oh, like that's, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I'll be a better husband if I like don't do those things. Hmm. Is that is that a good example? I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah because ha- I maybe think the nuancing in your yeah. language um, is that's exactly what I was hoping you would say. Oh. So I'm glad that you answered in that way. <laughs> I didn't even tee you up, but that was perfect. Um, was the, the, the nuancing in your language is the difference between what I'm doing and who I am. Mm-hmm. And if I'm feeling conviction or even guilt for the things that I've done, that's not associated with my identity. Yeah. Until it's shame and it is associated with my identity. Mm-hmm. So if you're a bad father, that's an identity issue. That's a shame issue. If you made a mistake this morning, as you were fathering your son, that doesn't necessarily make you a bad father. That just means you made a mistake mm-hmm. and there's grace for that. Um, you aren't defined by all of those imperfect actions. So yeah, I think that's a good way to define shame. It's so good. Did you just look something up? Yeah, I was, I, I didn't know I've read, I've read the book by Brené Brown about shame. Oh, we love Brené Brown. And it's so powerful, but she kind of goes into a, a lot of what Benjamin just said. And, but then talks about the power of, I believe vulnerability to like break off shame. Is that, I, I was trying to, I know she talks a lot about vulnerability um, as well. Wow. That's really good. Um, she, so she's starting to talk about when you have diagnosed that shame exists, what can you do to help right the wrong of shame inside your yeah inside yourself and vulnerability is one of those antidotes Mm. the attempt to hide vulnerability often prevents us from letting someone in she says huh which is also the root of conflict i mean there's a lot of good stuff that's like maybe i'll link to some of her stuff in the show notes yeah you should that's Um, great if you've never listened to her she's got some really great talks I also recently heard an interview with someone who said that shame is contempt for being myself because I'm a human. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and contempt, if you don't know what that word is, because it's, just it's a rich that. word. <laughs> it's the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless or deserving scorn. Wow. So like, I don't know. Have you ever felt worthless? Yeah, I, I, for sure. Yeah. Isn't that a bummer? That <laughs> it's like, such a bummer. That feels like a universal experience. Yeah. That like I am not enough. Isn't that crazy? Or even more extreme than that is I am worthless. Like mm-hmm. I don't have value. Totally. That, that idea is, I don't know. It's, it's a foothold for the enemy over us. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I guess if we get stuck in there, 
that that's what it looks like. I, maybe I should say for our relationship with ourself to be broken. Mm -hmm. Say if two nations are at warfare with each other, <laughs> that's a really overt way to see that like there is not Shalom. Mm -hmm. If shame exists inside your spirit, if you experience contempt towards yourself, that's like warfare towards yourself. It's an attack on your uh, identity. Yeah. And that is an incredible sign, like red flag that Shalom is not in place within your relationship with yourself. Hmm. So, yeah. um, I guess, all of this to say, if I or we, you listening, experience shame, experience any of this contempt or the sense of worthlessness, sense of like, I'm not enough, or I should do this because I need to be better mm -hmm. or whatever, um, that's an area where I think God wants to speak peace, like holistic mm -hmm. shalom. Yeah into your identity mm -hmm. and say, my child, let me write some of those wrongs in you and like actually help you understand who I see you as. Mm -hmm. And in that, um, our spirits will be at peace. I think that's so good. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. What is, uh, I was, well, I was, mm -hmm. oh, I was going to try to maybe just ask you how, I mean, maybe like, what is like, what did you like, how, how does this relate to like what Jesus did on the cross? Wow. I'm going to ask you that. Like, how, like how can we find identity like through the cross too? Excellent. Um, well, this is my thought and then I'll answer your question. Yes. Because it has to do with Jesus. Um, in Mark chapter two and elsewhere, Jesus heals the paralytic man that was lowered down through the ceiling mm -hmm. in Capernaum. And I just love this. When Jesus saw their faith, the people who had lowered him down, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And I can't help but wonder like, where was an identity issue in that man that Jesus recognized he needed to be called a son? Wow. Because in, in the word son, I'm recognizing that like, like you are deserving of care, like a child in a family. And I'm going to associate you with you on a level. That's that intimate. Hmm. Um, I think identity words are used throughout the Bible a lot more than we realize a lot more than I realize mm -hmm. at least. So, um, I'll say like Jesus was actively working to rewrite people's identity their sense of identity um, to who God had actually made them to be. Hmm. And the cross to get to your question is the ultimate example of that. It's, it's Jesus. It's God himself coming down from heaven to say, I'm willing to despise the shame. Hebrews 12 says us for the joy set before him. He endured the cross despising the shame so that we could be reconciled with the father because God's love for us is so extreme and so holistic. Our identity, our value is so significant in the eyes of the father that Jesus would do what he would do. Hmm. 
Wow. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, no, yeah, totally. If, if fearfully and wonderfully made knit together in your mother's womb doesn't do it for you already, which it should, <laughs> yeah, you totally. know, Psalm 139, yeah. mm-hmm. like, like I'm picturing God is knitting your cells together with intentional care. That's mm-hmm. what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 139. If that doesn't already say, hey, you have enough value, then the gospels tell us that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Hmm. Like even when you were in a complete mess. Totally. That's that's Romans 5. Or to look at Hosea, like even before Jesus, prophesying about Jesus, in case you don't know, the Hosea is one of the minor prophets. Um, Hosea, Yeshua, Yehoshua, it's all the same name. Jesus and Hosea are the same name Whoa. in different languages. And they both mean God is our Savior. God saves. Um, So the book of Hosea is really prophetic of Jesus um, coming as a husband to redeem the the prostitute wife that has left him time and time again. Mm -hmm. Um, And that prophecy in Hosea is saying that like even when the prostitute wife has chosen to leave for the third time and in leaving gets sold into slavery. Hosea is going to come and buy his wife out of slavery to redeem her because there's no length that he won't go to rescue her. There's no cost that he won't incur in order to save her. That's an image of God's love for us. It's like so different than like anything in the world and like the Babylonian creation story, you know, it's like (laughs) that we were made as like slaves or whatever. But then in reality, like our God loves us so much that he came to the world and like became a slave. Like, like gave, like instead of like him holding like the cords, like the whipping cords, like he gives them to man to like, to stand in their place. And like, we see that like, just tear Jesus's back and all for us, you know, that's wild. We we should really see identity in that. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't we? Yeah. Cause I I think sometimes I ask myself the question, God, why do you care about me? (laughs) And I don't, I don't think I have a good answer for that. I'm, I'm actually confident. I don't have a good answer for why do you care about me? But I know, Lord, that you do, because look what you've done. Mm -hmm. Not only have you made me, but you went to this incredible length so that I might be reconciled to you, even when I might have might as well have been the one that spat on your face and put the crown of thorns on your head. Even on the cross, you said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm. Your love was extended to your literal persecutors in the moment of persecution, Jesus. That's love that speaks identity to even uh-huh. even those that were actively nailing his hands into the wood isn't that crazy that is so crazy like nothing in all of human existence will ever speak as much love and identity as the cross i'm very confident mm. wow huh Sorry, I'm like just kind of sitting in this. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> there's a there's a song by uh, Judah called "Just Because." 
yeah. And I love I love that. It's like, why do you care about me? He's like, just because, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's probably the that's all the answer I really need, you know. But like more than that, it's just like it's because you're fearfully, wonderfully made. That's so. Beginning of time, just to co-labor with the Lord, and that's so good. Live in community, like because God from the beginning wanted just relationship. Absolutely. Right. Because so I mean, like that's why He cares about us, because He just wants to be with us. He's an inherently relational God. I think the Trinity has something to do with that too. Mm-hmm. That like, even in God's very nature, He is. A relational, loving community. A community of love is how I've heard him described. Mm. One and three in one at the same time. Like inviting other creations into his loving community of self. That just paints the most beautiful picture. And I, I like that God doesn't answer the question, why do you love us in any other way? Um besides just by loving us <laughs> <laughs> yeah like psalm 8 is also asking that question who is man that you care for us the question isn't answered but the answer to the question i guess is and yet you have given us dominion over your creation and then it starts talking about the image of god um go read psalm 8 if you're curious about that but i guess the thing i love there is If God said, oh, I love you because blank, I don't know, imagine an answer to that. The answer probably has something to do with us earning love somehow, Mm -hmm. which would mean that we could fall out of that love, Mm -hmm. which would be contradictory to his love. Yeah. Because we can't fall out of it. He loves us, period. Mm -hmm. So good. Not because of anything except of who he is. I'm, I'm, maybe that's the answer. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Just because. (laughs) Just because I think, do you feel like it'd be good to touch on just this idea that the only thing keeping us from God is ourselves just because like, yeah, he, like he loves his whole creation. We're all fearfully wonderfully made. We're all sons and daughters of the King, but you, you do have to believe it and accept that. And there are many that do reject that and never get to realize that too. And so yeah. I think that's like that. I think that might play into even more of like our shalom with others. But like we are, we want to bring that reconciliation to mm-hmm. everyone and just want people to realize it. You know, we don't want people, we don't want people to say a, a prayer or follow some Roman road or whatever. It's like, you just got to realize your identity in Christ. Amen. That's so good. You don't have to do anything in some religious structure to like earn salvation or love. Right. I Mm -hmm. guess we've been hitting that point all along. Yeah. All you have to do is accept it. I, I like to think of this picture of Jesus's hand extended down to you Mm -hmm. and you're like lying on the ground needing help. And what you need to do is like open your eyes and see that his hand is extended and grab a hold of it. Yeah. That's like all you need to do. You don't need to even get up. He'll pull you up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you, all you need to do is accept his invitation. Absolutely. But because you need to accept that invitation within your free will, that also means that you can not accept the invitation. Mm-hmm. Tragically. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people 
in human existence haven't and won't accept his invitation because yeah. God loves us so much that he won't force us to love him. Oh, that wrecks me too. Yeah. Um, I think another thing to touch on before we move on from this kind of shame talk is there, there are things that often in life in this fallen side of the new heaven and new earth, like there are things outside of our control mm-hmm. that might instill lies and shame oh, yeah. and break down our identity. Um, whether that's, you know, it could be relationships or, or it's different kinds of, of trauma, which can also happen in relationships. So it's like, I, like we want to also acknowledge that like, um, those outside forces, those, tra- those traumatic experiences can totally break down our identity. Yeah. And in those cases, often, um, it's more than just reading your fearfully and wonderfully made over and over again. We've also been gifted with incredible Christian counselors um, people that facilitate inner healing and just getting into community and mentorship counseling, even going through something like a journey to wholeness here at river house are all really great avenues to actively bring that restoration. You know, we talked about how restoration is not an inactive thing last podcast. Right. And so there is, there's a, there's an active quality to all the rewriting of these different stories in our lives and these different lies and traumatic experiences. So I want you, the listener just to be aware of what that process might look like. That's very good. It can become really practical. Mm-hmm. Like I have a trauma issue or a shame issue, some identity problems and just listening to the deep waters podcast is not solving my problems. I mean, we pray <laughs> that the Holy spirit has shown up in all of your earbuds right now. Yeah. Praise God. Um, and I know the Lord can do that and has Amen. done that, but Amen. I also just want to acknowledge that with all these certain things outside of our relationship with God, there is an active call mm-hmm. to participate in this restoration and Shalom. Right. And including with ourselves. So, and, and, and as we've talked, like with the identity and mental health, like that's a big, there's a lot of active parts in that. We don't talk about it as much of like what might need to be done. Um, we talk more about what can be done physically and maybe like some spiritual disciplines and those kinds of things. Sure. Um, yeah. That's good. I'm even thinking about like, if you find yourself in a situation of addiction, mm-hmm. um, whether it's to pornography or cigarettes or alcohol, like Mm -hmm. there are, there are resources to help. Um, you should not be fighting that battle alone because the enemy wants you to be in that battle alone. Mm -hmm. I think shame festers the best in isolation and in darkness. But when you expose it, um, to the light and to others to safe Christian community, Mm -hmm. you can find a lot of healing. I'm thinking of, I really don't know much about it, but this wonderful organization called celebrate recovery. Mm -hmm. It's like alcoholics anonymous, but a Christian Mm -hmm. really Christ centered 12 step kind of program. Yeah. Um, can be a wonderful thing if you're looking to break these habits of alcohol or drug abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. So try and find a resource like that. Or if you know someone who is in a situation like that, encourage those resources because, Mm -hmm. um, if yeah. you're, if you're looking for some of those resources, I've compiled a lot of the stuff that's going on in the treasure Valley. So again, reach out to deep waters at Riverhouse ministries and we can connect you to any of that kind of stuff. 
That's huge. Oh man, mm-hmm. it's so cool right now in the time and space that this podcast is being recorded. Um, the Kids Kingdom Camp is happening. Yes, and literally the the skits that we've written for that, which I happen to be in <laughs> as a very goofy looking court jester. Oh, it's um, perfect. <laughs> like it totally touched on all of this. Wow, really? Like it's really cool. That's and even great. today, like there's a, gonna be a guy that comes in and like I'm like, isn't it great to live in this kingdom that we live in? He's like, not really. Like why do you, like why are you so happy? Like is the king really good? Like look at me, oh. I have like this broken leg, and he like makes me question my identity. And he's Whoa. like, why does he love you? You're like goofy. You're a nobody. And then I end that scene of like I am a nobody, and I end up sitting Whoa. further and further away from this guy. In complete isolation. Isn't that wild that we're like totally touching all this? It's kind of fun. That was beautifully written, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's Joel Ryman. Yeah. Joel Ryman. Way Mm -hmm. to go, Joel. Shout out. Yeah. Um So and then and then I'm I'm like alone and then the queen who is like analogous to like the Holy Spirit comes and like speaks identity. And then I come back to the blacksmith and like you know, lead him to the king. That's great. Isn't that fun? Wow, I love that. Yeah. It it is funny that I notice when you had some really good thoughts on this, Jace, when I feel shame for some reason, part of that shame is it's just a really disgusting, unbearable feeling. Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel like I'm not associated well with others. And so for whatever reason, the fleshly impulse is to isolate, Mm -hmm. which I, th- I think it just proves that it's a tool of the enemy because the problem within shame is my relationship isn't well with others. So now I'm going to go isolate and further remove myself from mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Only exacerbating the issue. Yeah. Fighting fire with fire. Yeah. But shame does that to us, doesn't it? Yes, totally. I mean, I even remember as an elementary school student when I'd get in a silly playground argument with someone like I would run away and pout in the corner on the playground Mm -hmm. and like not want anyone to see me or talk to me all the time, you know, in my emotional development. That sounds really sad, but I also kind of want to see a little like sad Benjamin too. (laughs) Like, uh, like not like, I don't want you to see it be you in that state, but I'm like, Oh, I wonder what you were like on the elementary school playground. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. I mean, I imagine most kids went through something like that. Maybe oh, not. yeah, me too. <laughs> Did <Yeah>. you? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and you like, you know, I, I would pout in the corner, like just hoping and waiting for someone to come and like see me in my shame and like come and meet me there. And mm-hmm. then I would like self-pity so that they would encourage me with all these words and I'd like hurt myself with my mm-hmm. language so that they would give me more encouragement. Oh, wow. Which is just yeah. like a, a little pit of... Self-hatred that totally. is brewing. Yeah. It's a foothold of shame for the enemy. But it's it's wild that so often when we do separate, we're hoping for connection. Wow. Yes. Like, that's really interesting. I'm glad that we shed light on that because it's so true. And so it's like, if you ever feel yourself trying to separate, like, know that what you actually want <laughs> is connection, <laughs> no matter like how high the emotions you're feeling right now. And so maybe just like limit your separation or reach out and say, Hey, I'm not doing well. Call me in an hour, you know, like just get, get the connection teed up. Uh, Cause I mean, sometimes you do have to just like 
take a walk <laughs> and that's okay De- yeah decompress not decompose <laughs> wow <laughs> different words yeah which is probably where like Brene Brown would be a great resource I'm thinking about vulnerability yeah. in that moment totally saying, I was tying like, that in my head too hey this is what I'm feeling if you can open yourself in vulnerability to a safe person who isn't going to further damage your sense of identity mm-hmm. then you'll be met with empathy and compassion yeah. ideally mm-hmm. and then connection is actually stronger as a result of that. Wow. Wow. Praise so God. Good. So read Renee Brown is the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so more than just our like kind of identity. Yeah. There's other ways we can bring Shalom. You're right. Totally right. Yeah. I guess we, we sat on identity so much because it feels like the seedbed for um, all of these other things. Yeah, totally. Like shame or a sense of loneliness and identity problem could very well and most likely is the source of someone's pornography addiction. Oh yeah. Um, or like eating habits that are not healthy. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's worthwhile just hitting mm-hmm. a few of those like practical things totally. that are more symptoms of mm-hmm. a real under um, under the surface problem. Yeah. Can I share something real fast? Please. I've shared this on the podcast before, but some a real revelation I got was that like my identity, if my identity was a brick house, like throughout my life, mm-hmm. I was like building it with like identity I was getting from the world, which was like these really brittle bricks huh. that like as yeah. I stacked them up and like built the foundation, that's what everything was built on. So there might be like some good gold bricks in there, but like, over time it's just not going to be a house that stands Mm. and and so i think something just to be aware of throughout this is like to you have to have this foundation of identity Mm -hmm. and so if you do feel like you're on this unstable foundation of like who you are like the things you believe about yourself the shame like let the lord replace the brittle dusty bricks with like gold bricks so that you have like a beautiful foundation to build everything else on you know so if you're if your house is falling apart like it's kind of like the maslow's hierarchy of needs like you're not going to be focused as much on mm. spiritual growth and relational growth and growth with others and yeah. even like physical health like that's just like you're going to be more in survival mode yeah and so with just with that picture like let your house be solid and your foundation be strong in those things so then you're able to you know focus better on the people around you and even just taking care of like your body in a more dynamic way, um, being more connected to God in like a purposeful way, those kinds of things. Like those are all kind of almost, uh, luxuries, like luxuries in your head, you know? That's so good. Cause if, if, if you don't have that foundation, you don't have like a solid home, essentially, if those basic needs aren't met, like you're going to have a hard time building anything out and Mm. building anything on top of that. You might be able to get a little ways and then it's going to fall apart. And so there's just not going to be a lot of longevity and growth Mm -hmm. without a good foundation. Maybe the best way to replace those like dusty, gross bricks from the world with gold bricks from the Lord, Mm -hmm. if we want to use that picture is the spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, um, wow. For example, 
if you have a, 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 an issue in your identity associated with finances, tithing might be the perfect gift to your spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, because to say, Lord, all my money is yours. Here's a big chunk of it every month or every year, however you pay your tithes to say, I am, I'm not defined by my wealth. My Mm -hmm. financial wealth isn't my identity. Yeah. God, all of this is yours anyway. And you are my provider. Mm -hmm. Like tithing is going to be a way to release some of those financial identity issues. Mm -hmm. Sabbath is going to be a way to remind yourself I'm not defined by my work. Mm-hmm. I rest just like God rested and I enjoy the labor um, of my hands and just sit back and commune with my family and fellowship because I'm not defined by the number of bricks I make like a slave in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sabbath could be an, the exact gift you need if you're a workaholic. Yeah, um, totally. Or fasting if you find yourself in a situation where I am just way too easily overcome by my desires mm-hmm. for things. I have like fleshly desires for food, for, um, I don't know, yeah, candy, anything, alcohol, yeah, pornography, sour even. patch kids. Like there's pornography, like for it's sure. anything that's like those like unaligned desires. Like fasting will kind of realign your head it truly will Mm -hmm. i didn't know that it would until just a few years ago and Mm -hmm. i started practicing fasting insane gift Mm -hmm. these spiritual disciplines are gifts to replace those gross bricks with gold bricks from heaven that's so good i'm glad you kind of tied all that together yeah that feels to me like maybe the best if if you Mm -hmm. don't know where to start with all these things just i don't know read richard foster's book celebration of discipline Oh, wow. And he... (laughs) I'm writing that down for me, too. (laughs) Yeah, you should. I haven't read that one. Maybe you should uh, link it in the description below. Richard Foster. Richard Foster. He's a Quaker, just a saint, a wonderful man. I can't wait to have tea with him in heaven because he's just beautiful. Um, But the book is phenomenal. Um, One of the greatest books on spiritual disciplines. Wow. And I think now what John Mark Comer is doing with Practicing the Way Mm -hmm. is... Um, more like modern, approachable, resource, helpful iteration of that same kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say embrace the spiritual disciplines, prayer, scripture reading, fasting, tithing, Sabbath, community. There's a discipline called celebration. (laughs) If you haven't been disciplined to celebrate, maybe try it. If you find yourself in a place of depression... Um, where anxiety has like a pretty hard grip on you, choose to celebrate and figure out a time where you can actually practice it. Like it's a discipline. That's so crazy. And I, I think God will deliver you from some identity things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, I think I don't want to say that spiritual disciplines are all that we should do because I definitely am a huge proponent of Mm -hmm. therapy some kind of 12 step program, especially a Christ centered 12 step program. Mm -hmm. Um, or just like going to the gym. (laughs) Yeah. We wanted to touch on physical health, but I realized now we've hit about an hour. So just, I guess we can wrap it up by saying God cares holistically about you, Mm -hmm. your whole self. 
Yeah. It's not like all he cares about is that you're going to heaven because you've given your life to him. So now just waste away in your body and Mm -hmm. just eat, I don't know, only pop tarts and sour patch kids for the rest of your life. (laughs) Convicting is what I had for breakfast. (laughs) Just kidding. Me too. With a lot of maple syrup. (laughs) Uh, Some people put blueberries on pancakes. I put sour patch. Um. (laughs) Just kidding. We had good time bagels and it was so good. Oh, it was so good. Praise God for good time bagels. Um, But yeah, like God cares about what we put in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking of drunkenness as an example, um, that things that put, we put in our bodies actually affect our ability to flourish in the way that we were designed to flourish. That's a good word. And we see that especially with alcohol in the Bible. Um, but I, I think if, if the Bible were written today, if Paul was writing to us, he would talk about more than just alcohol. I think he would talk about, Mm -hmm. I don't know processed foods maybe he wouldn't but <laughs> i mean i want to talk about processed foods because totally. i don't think that that's an example of i mean don't get me wrong i eat processed foods from time to time everything in moderation maybe mm-hmm. but but uh, like if you have a bunch of processed food food you will not feel like you're flourishing mm-mm. like that's actually just a reality so like maybe even just allowing yourself to become aware of how different foods allow like are making your body feel yeah is going to be a big thing because i think mm-hmm. how often we just get you know, caught up in the rat race and it's just, I need food for sustenance. And then we realize two hours later we can't think or we're, you know, that's good. have, you know, just feel heavy. We have no energy. And so there's definitely a lot of wisdom in that. I was, I was thinking that, um, contrary, like we were kind of opposing what the world says about our identity and what God says at the beginning of this podcast. I think also when it comes to like self-actualization or self-help a lot of what the world says has been very much framed by eastern religion that says if you do nothing long enough you'll actually like finally get there to Uh, where you want to be yeah whether it's like through meditation or if you just like think about nothing long enough you won't be anxious but i think the biblical variation of that is a very active approach which Uh fits into the framework of the active call of shalom and bringing restoration. Wow. So we can't wait for restoration. We can't meditate restoration into existence. We have to, we have to do restoration. That's good. Thank you for saying that. I'm, I don't know that I should say this now if it's maybe more for the next podcast, but one of my favorite Martin Luther King Jr. quotes is a, he wrote in a letter while he was in prison and he said, progress will never roll in on the wheels of inevitability. Whoa. Yeah. Which is like, you can't just sit around and wait for the world to get better. Totally. For your health to get better. Like for me, I, I interact with God when I run Mm -hmm. running to me is a a place of encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, and my guess is that if there's someone who's listening who is also quite physically active, they're nodding their head and saying yes and amen because like they've experienced God in physical exertion, in workouts. Mm-hmm. Like we are holistic beings and how we wanted to frame Shalom in this whole series is very holistically. Yeah. We're talking about spiritual disciplines, of course, prayer and scripture reading. And we're also talking about how we treat our bodies, yeah. what we put in it, how we use it. Um, I think if like, if you're also listening to this and you're like, well, I wouldn't even be able to talk to God if I was running because I wouldn't be able to breathe and be (laughs) laying on the curb. 
like that's okay too. Yeah. And like, but like if you're, let's say you're a musician or you're more artistic and you connect to God through painting, like maybe there are things you could be doing that would allow your painting to flourish and your ability to think creatively just to have so much more clarity, whether that's, you know, through spiritual disciplines or, or diet or those kinds of things as well. So it's like we, like he's saying, we're all holistic. Um, even if you holistically don't like running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be a runner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not, it's not biblical that you have to be a runner, but right. that might be my preference. Paul did say run the race. Oh, amen. So, with endurance. Yeah. So that's a long distance runner. Mm-hmm. All right. It's biblical. There we go. <laughs> All right. We're going to do the deep waters podcast marathon <laughs> next May. Get ready. Wow. So I guess as we close, I just want to encourage you to think really holistically about your relationship with yourself. Is there any area in your relationship with yourself that is lacking Shalom? Um, and that doesn't mean just that there's a problem, but that there's um, something that isn't wholly flourishing. And, you know, again, this isn't striving to mm-hmm. be perfect because you need to earn perfection somehow. But God is inviting us to live lives of shalom. So I hope that this conversation has been one that um, stimulated some really cool thoughts for you that you can go from this podcast um yeah, thinking some empowered thoughts. So good. Like, this is what I want to do to to take care of myself. Maybe it looks like some introvert time. Mm-hmm. And just reading a book that you love. To read some nonfiction for a change. That was one that I needed to do at one point. Mm-hmm. Wait, read some fiction for fiction. a change. That's I was what I like, I'm I, like, wow. I like I needed to do the opposite. Yeah, yeah no, no fiction. <laughs> I, I read too much nonfiction. Read yeah. some fiction for a Let change. Let your mind That's be creative. Meant. Yeah, for sure. Go paint a painting. Go dance. Uh, go drink your favorite cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Grab <laughs> your <enjoy>. favorite. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed the Deep Waters podcast. Wow. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. We love you guys. We'll You're beautifully you. and wonderfully made. Amen. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. And if you would like to join us at Riverhouse for Sunday service, we meet at the Vineyard Boise at 4 p.m. We'd love to see you there. We cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends. Our theme music was written and recorded by the Riverhouse worship team. Production is done by Jordan Sodeman. Special thanks to Isaiah Guerrero for our artwork. Benjamin Olson writes and co-hosts with me, Jace Langley, and I also edit this bad boy. If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.